gals and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinematch Podcast, the show where we take different movies every episode and use different ways to debate and rate them. My name is Callum Altimus. I am your lovely, lovely host who is feeling really old now. After turning 28 this week, I feel sick. And joining me as he does every episode, my much older co-host slash normal host depending if co-host offends him I don't know um not me, not me it offends <laughs> Mr Nathan Sackle Hannah how are you sir feeling like I'm going to be 35 this year with all this talk about you feeling old <laughs> yeah aging's not for me I don't like it at all you know what? I, like hit, at all. I hit 30 I was like I'm all right with it and every year since I'm like hi I'm not okay with this no no I'd have been happy. 25 forever would have been nice. <laughs> 30 is rough. I'm not looking forward to that. But we've got a big episode this week with... You already look pretty old, so you should be all right with this fee. Uh, excuse me. People said I looked about 21 at work back in the day. Yeah, yeah back in the day when you were 21. <laughs> no, when I was 17. <laughs> you, no. are, you are sounding a bit rough. Yeah, throat's a bit hoarse. Um, no, when I go out in town with like my friends and that who are all about 21, 22, 23, and they all get, we, if we go on a line, everyone gets ID'd and then they get to meet the end of my ID out and he just tells me to put it away. He doesn't even humour me and check it. It's quite insulting. Um, but enough about the fucking crippling fear of getting old. <laughs> Start off an episode. Instead, one of the films deals with that, doesn't it? Yeah, fear, but definitely getting old. Yeah, well, uh, instead talk on talk about the crippling fear of war and the sheer brutality that World War One and World War Two presented. Um, with another Cinematch showdown. Yeah, that's a fun episode. Yeah, it's just, we've got Cinematch showdown, and we're doing Saving Private Ryan versus 1917. Two quite similar. War movies, in a sense, the story, the plots are quite similar. And both movies have got a very specific mission to find a certain someone. Um, and they've just got star-studded casts along the way. Saving Private Ryan's obviously known for being one of the greatest war movies of all time. And then 1917 came out more recently. But I think you've only just watched both of them recently for the first time, haven't you? Yeah, I watched 1917 um, literally this week for the first time after missing it at the cinema and then just kind of never getting around to it and then yeah Saving Private Ryan just before Christmas was it yeah uh, for the very first time ever uh, it was one of them that's always been on the list then I saw it it was coming onto the big screen I was like well if I'm going to watch it I feel like it needs to be a big screen kind of thing so and I'm glad I did because fucking hell <laughs> yeah that's that would be one of the great joys of my life watching Saving Private Ryan on the big screen but I haven't I did see 1917 in IMAX when it came out though so I'm glad I got to do that yeah I'm, I'm upset I missed that well I text you after I finished watching it and I was like I thought Saving Private Ryan would have had it easy but 1917 is phenomenal so yeah that, well that's why we're doing it isn't it because Saving Private Ryan like I said it's regarded as one of the greatest war movies ever so it, we had to find a movie that could come close and put up a decent fight. And I think 1917 was really, really good. And I think it's actually been overlooked in the years since and kind of forgotten. But when it came out, it was like a big thing. And I thought it's incredible. So we might as well get started then with the two movies. And 
we'll go with the story first. Before you nod back off. <laughs> yeah, before I sleep before shift. Well, um, so we'll start with the stories first. Like I said at the start, they're both very, very similar in the sense that the story of Saving Private Ryan is about this group of soldiers in World War II who are tasked with finding a very specific soldier to bring home after his three brothers passed, uh, die in the war and they want to get this one last surviving brother back to his mum. So they have to, like, fuck off and find him in the middle of, for, like, the entire World War II, like, all these different battle zones and stuff. You compare that with 1917, where it's it's much more like it, the, the plot's much more like um like a tactical version of events. It's not about like that compassion. We need to do this. It's more we need to stop this attack and tell them they're being tricked and all that. Like with the soldiers and the way the Nazis have like laid a trap on them and they think they've got them on the run when actually it's like it's like all a part of Germany's plan. So they have to get to the Group, I can't remember which what the group's called, but they have to get to that group of soldiers and tell them not to go through with it. Um, so that's much more strategic. In terms of the stories, I'll let you go first this week, and I can just listen for a minute. <laughs> I feel like I've not done anything but speak since we started. In terms of the stories, which one do you prefer? The more emotional Saving Private Ryan one or the the more traditional army, like tactical version of I mean, yeah. Saving Private Ryan is more emotional. They're both very fucking emotional. Um, but 1917 is definitely more A to B than um, Saving Private Ryan was. Uh, Saving Private Ryan had a lot more... I mean, it is A to B in the fact that he's trying to find Private Ryan. Um, but, like, the entire... I'm going to give 10-9 with uh, Saving Private Ryan because not only do you have that, you know, that kind of that opening and everything like a, a wider look at war and then he finally gets the mission and i feel like you get more more of a look at what world war ii actually was than you do in 1917 with uh, world war one in in 1917 the the leads are alone for very much a lot of it uh, and when they're not alone it feels very fleeting it feels very very passing like you're just meeting these other people as a stopping journey, but everybody in um, Saving Private Ryan feels like it's important and it's building up on it. Uh, they find the when they find the bunker, uh, it has massive ramifications on something that happens later in the film when they let the German soldier go, um, and even up to like you know they finally find Private Ryan after. Um, after a, a, a funny moment where they think they've found Private Ryan, but they finally find my boy Matt Damon, uh, most watched actor of 2023. And uh, <laughs> um, the uh, this story doesn't stop there. We're in 1917, it, it, it does. You, you still get the the aftermath and the, the fact that, yeah, my brothers have died and, yeah, my mother wants me to come home, but I still got a mission and, and all that. Um, everything with Tom Hanks... Obviously, you've got all the backstory of him, whereas in 1917, the backstory of the characters are kind of kept hidden until the very last moment. And just a lot more subtle stuff. You see, in terms of the squad, you see all of their kind of <clears throat> histories and worries and fears, and it all builds up a lot more. And I think that comes from having the squad rather than the, the two the two leads in 1917. I don't think you get as much of a as much of a history with with them. Um, so yeah, I think overall. Saving Private Ryan is just 
a lot stronger. And I think it's, I love the fact that, that 1917 feels very alone, uh, very isolated. But I think having that cast, that large cast, that squad, um, and all the different kind of people and groups they meet really helps the story more in Saving Private Ryan. So it was a toss-up. It was a hard toss-up because I do like the isolation of 1917, but I, you can't deny that Saving Private Ryan. But, I mean, I don't like it because I don't like the book-ended stuff that's, I say present day, but obviously it's 90s. Um, but you have that extra element of the looking back on the war as well. Although, I mean, obviously you're thinking it's going to be Tom Hanks at the, at the graves until you find out. Spoilers, it's not. Um, but yeah, it, I just think it's a fuller fuller story. Yeah, I agree. I went 10-9 in favour of Saving Private Ryan. I think, for me, what pushes it over the edge is, like you said, when they find uh, Matt Damon's character, James Ryan, and it isn't the end and he's... He refuses to leave before his mission is done. I think with the 1917 one, it is very much like by the numbers. Once the mission's over, we're out of there. Whereas this, it's like, yeah, we've done the mission, but there's still work to be done. And I think I like that bit. And the fact that there is a big cast, it plays way to all these different dynamics, which just make it a little bit more interesting. Like you've got the the coward who could be one of my least favourite movie characters in anything ever. I fucking hate that motherfucker. Um, lost. I like him in I like him in last. I like Daniel Faraday, but in this, I fuck that guy. You've got like the the sniper who's religious. Um, you've got Giovanni Ribisi as the doctor. Like you've got all these different characters who we see like interact, and it just adds to the story. Where, like you said, in 1917, for large portions of it, especially after the halfway mark, it's just it's just someone on their own. It's the um, because. I mean, getting into spoilers for soon, We there's like obviously a surprise halfway through which leaves just one character on that journey and there's large portions of just silence, which is good. And I think it adds to like the intensity of the movie, but I prefer the way we get to see, the, we get to know these characters and it, it feels much more like earned when they go through the stuff they do and like the different, like even the little bits where they're looking through the dog tags and they're having a laugh and then, Rabisi's character scolds them for being so callous in front of everyone else. Like, it just adds to the story for me, and it makes them all feel much more human. Um, and they feel like real people, and I think that helps that story. Yeah, I think with the 1917, the fact that, it's, like I say, it's isolated, the, the one benefit it has is, I think, the complete actual completing of the mission feels way more... You feel like a lot of sense of relief is lifted off your shoulders. Like, when you, when you meet James Ryan, finally it's kind of like oh because he's so like against the idea it doesn't feel like you kind of it doesn't feel like a success it doesn't feel like a, a release of all this pressure whereas in 1917 like it's anxiety inducing a lot of the stuff that he goes through and then when he finally calls off the attack and gets his hand shook and gets told literally gets told to fuck off um like it feels like a, a massive release off his chest when he finally sits down next to that tree um but yeah I, I fully agree with you. Yeah, that um, the same way. Like, I mean, it's getting on end, as we'll get to soon. But it does feel like when he sits down at the end and he just leans like against the tree after he's completed his mission, it's like, "Fuck, this guy's knackered. <laughs> this guy's fucking shattered." You would be, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. We'll, we'll we'll move on then to the the one of the biggest things here for me, and that's the the best opening. Um, I'm gonna say it right now. 
<laughs> I've already I've gone ten eight in favor of saving Private Ryan. Ten eight, absolutely, because the nineteen seventeen opening is very it's very simple in the sense that it's just these two soldiers being handed this mission. They're just chilling with, with like on the grass and that one. Um, I don't even know if it's. I don't. It's hard to refer to because I don't know if it's a sergeant of Lance Corps. I don't know what these geezers come over that give them the mission. So the other, the the big boss man comes over and is like, "You've been summoned. Take somewhere with you," and he takes Will Schofield. Uh, and then they find out the mission and prepare to set off. Whereas the Saving Private Ryan one, which like you said, it opens up with the '90s shot of the old man at the graveyard, which I can do without. But then it progresses into them storming Omaha Beach, which I think could possibly be in my top three or four greatest openings to any movie ever. Yeah, I mean, storming that beach and the 20 minutes that follows where it's just like unbelievably like visceral and ruthless action and it's it's so hard hitting and it feels like the most mean-spirited Steven Spielberg scene ever like some of the stuff like you just don't expect it from him who obviously got a reputation for being like the the, the like very wholesome and like his movies were always like those feel-good type of movies but when he does this and he has like the soldier who takes his hat off after getting shot and he's like oh you're lucky bastard then he gets shot anyway or the guy walk around holding his own arm when Tom Hanks's character Miller's dragging that injured man and then a bomb goes off and then he looks and he's just got like bits of his clothes like it, it I can only imagine how mad it was to watch like on a big screen but it it does feel like you're there like the bits where you go underwater and it can't like the sound is muffled and stuff like that like it's just so like electrifying and it's it's just non-stop it feels like not that I've ever done it, but it feels like inject like injecting you fucking self with speed and you're just fucking watching that shit. Like it's oh, nonstop. Alright. You are. Not like you've ever done it. If I did it, I'd probably die. <laughs> I don't like my odds. I've, I've, I don't think I've got l- enough luck to survive that sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's one of the greatest openings ever. And it goes on for like a good 20 minutes, but mm. it doesn't drag one bit. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. So I went 10 8 in favour of saving private Ryan. Yeah, he's off. I like. Come on, it's one of the greatest openings ever. How many people would put 1917 opening in the top hundreds? So I really like the 1917. Yeah. <laughs> I quite like. Well, I like it from a technical aspect um, because obviously the film is one shot. Um, I mean, we obviously know it's not one shot, but it's all filmed as one shot. But I. I think you can. I think that first shot is, and if it's not, it's very, very well hidden compared to the rest of the movie. Um, and having that entire like walk, I think for me, it kind of builds up that not, uh, yeah, anticipation of what's coming. Um, obviously, it's not massive, it's not bombastic, it's quite quiet. Um, but walking through the trenches, like going through all the different like stages of the trenches from the furthest back all the way up to the very very front to get the mission and then even going even further to the very 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 front lines uh, and seeing is it not adam scott it's what's his name from fleabag and whatever you uh, fleabag i don't know oh what's his name he's in sherlock driving nuts his name is andrew scott not adam scott all the way up to andrew scott and where he's kind of like so fucking done with the wars like all right fuck it yeah go on then <laughs> kind of thing uh 
and he says like I shoot this flare if you could do us a favour so throw it back so we don't have to go as far to, to get it if you get if you get shot throw it as far back as possible like just so glib because they're so fucking done with the war I just think it's really really well done and it really hits more person like a more personal view of how World War One was compared to what uh, Saving Private Ryan did but I ain't giving it a 10 because fucking Saving Private Ryan. Jesus Christ. It's, yeah. And yeah, watching it on the, I don't like the modern day stuff. So I'm going to pretend that didn't happen. But even if I did, I, even if I did pretend it happened, it'd still be a 10 because that opening is, yeah, it's probably one of the best openings. Like you said, it's definitely a contender it's claustrophobic, it's anxiety-inducing, it's stressful. I forgot that I was, like, breathing. I, at points, I was like, oh, fuck, I need to breathe because, like, you hold, you literally hold your breath. It's one, it's one of those films where the term edge of your seat is very, very literal. Um, and you know Tom Hanks is safe, but all these other people that you're seeing you don't know are. And, like you say, just seeing people take the helmet off, somebody take the helmet off because they're safe and then get shot in the head again. Or I don't know, it's one that's always like banged around Twitter in terms of like a <clears throat> film detail, but seeing somebody get shot whilst they're patching somebody up and seeing all the water from where they've been shot come out of the canteen. And then halfway through, it's not water anymore, it's blood because they've been shot in the side and it's just kind of mixing through. Just loads of little details, but it's so claustrophobic. When they when they, like, they get up to near the bunker and they're like, they're just battered down and the gunshots just like hitting the sand, it just feels really... I'm not going to say it feels like you were there because fuck no. Um, but there's that story of, you know, they showed it to a war veteran and they like had PTSD from watching it and said like it was the most realistic thing, the most realistic film to ever capture that feeling. Um, and, it, and it definitely shows like I've never been to war unless you count Fortnite. Um, I've never I don't think to... you do, unfortunately. I've done paintball. That was terrifying. I was, I remember very, very going off track doing paintball and being surrounded and having like being leaning up against a wooden board and people were shooting against the wooden board and all I could hear was that bullets hitting the wooden board. I was shitting myself. So I, I wouldn't be able to do war. I'd be like, fuck. No, fuck that. Get me back to Star Wars. But it's just a massive, massive opening. Like you said, I mean, Spielberg never disappoints anyway, but for such, it's such a big change. Um, and it's, Words can't really describe how good it is. I don't think if the if they do it doesn't do it justice. It's just it's just phenomenal, and it's just never lets up either. And when it does let up, it's like, well, the stress isn't over because you've got to fucking carry on. Well, nineteen seventeen has that as well, but I'm just thinking Saving Private Ryan is much more emphasized. I yeah. also like the opening shot of Tom Hanks where he's shaking, and at first, obviously, you're thinking, well, it's because he's shit scared, but obviously, has ramifications later on yeah what? i think um i think what's interesting about it is they go through all that like you said this like really harrowing experience and it's like life-changing events but it's just the start of the movie like the, yeah. the work's not even close to being done usually that sort of thing would be right at the end but it's right at the beginning which is unusual but i think it's it was it's the perfect way to start a movie like that and it really sets the tone for like what these guys are going through and how tough you have to be to watch people you know just just be like taken in that 
split second, but you can't even react. You just have to keep going. Like the stuff where Hanks is trying to save the man and then he looks and he's, he's just gone. It's like you just have to get, carry on. Like there's no minute to worry about it. Like it's just crazy. Um, did you go 10-9 then? Yeah, yeah. 10-9, okay. Um, well, we'll move on then to the best ending, which I think both movies are very similar to the starts where the 1917 ending is, is quite... Quiet. Yeah, that's the word, yeah. It is, it's quiet, and it's he finally reaches the group. But, well, to be fair, we'll go from when he gets there and the first wave starts going over and he and he runs across, like, the battlefield and he's getting knocked into by people as he's running. And that shot of him just running across as it's all going on is quite, like, unbelievable. Um, and the way he, when he finally gets to the, the trenches and he keeps asking where is, I can't remember the the general's name, but it's played by Benedict Cumberbatch, I think is correct. No, that's uh, the older brother. I mean, the one that's in charge of the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Played by Benedict Cumberbatch. But um, when he keeps asking for him, they keep pushing him further and further down the line, then he finally finds him and he gives the the orders that has to be stopped, so they call it off. Then he goes to see uh, Richard Madden's character, um... And the obviously has to deal that bad news, and that's really emotional. But then it's just like he just gets to sit down and rest after such a traumatic journey. Whereas the Saving Private Ryan ending, it could have been when they found Private Ryan, but instead he refuses to leave. And we have we have this huge showdown at the end where they're defending that bridge, and just about everyone that we fucking come to love dies in front of our eyes, which is such a brutal way to end it. But I suppose that's really drilling home that nature of the war that anyone can go at any time. Um, and we have that really big showdown where we lose several big characters, which I don't think some of them as well. It felt unjustified the way they died, considering the the roles they played. Like um, Adam Adam Goldberg's character, whose name escapes me, when he's fighting the, the 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 German that they let go earlier, and he just pushes the knife slowly into him. Like it, when you've spent so much time with his character, it feels so like such a disservice to do them like that. But like like you said, when it's war, people die. There's so, there's so many different ways. It's never going to, not everyone gets the heroic death and they really draw that home. Um, and just the carnage there and the way the, the tanks, when you hear them coming and it's, it's almost like the noise. It's like, a, it's like a monster movie. I thought it's like, you can hear like, I mean, um, Cloverfield, for example, it's like you can hear it coming before you see it. And that's what it felt like with those, with the tanks and the way they were coming. And I'm talking way too much because I'm going to get you to give your score first because it's your turn. <laughs> um, I think we're probably going to be our first disagreement because I, I'm i going to go 10-9 in favour of 1917 because I think the quieter closing to the movie is a lot more effective. Um, Saving Private Ryan is it's great and I love it. Like, like you said, we just lose a lot of characters unceremoniously. Um, some characters survive that probably shouldn't have done. Does um does oh, what's his fucking name? Um, Daniel Faraday. <laughs> does Upman? He, he does he survive or does he die? He dies. Doesn't no, he, he survives. Survive. Yeah, so he doesn't. I thought he did. Um, he really didn't deserve to. Um, so it's interesting because I think if you look at it, it's all the the characters that tried to do good died, yeah. like um. Vin Diesel's character, Rabisi's character, Hank, Sizemore, like all their characters die. Whereas it's the it's the coward, it's D- Matt Damon's character who's actually he's a bit of a dick, um, and it's 
the uh, is it Ed? What's he called? Ed, I, I'm terrible with fucking names. I wrote his name down before and all just because of this. Ed Burns character, the one that's like the soldier who's a bit who's not even that asked about saving him, and he's the one that threatens to leave and they have the other standoff. Like those three are the ones that survive, and they're probably the biggest dicks in the group. Yeah. Like it's it's not traditional in that sense, but it's the, sometimes the reality of it. Like the coward survived because he was a coward and like he was passed over. And there's that great shot of like the German walking past him and just being like, you're not even worth the fucking bullets kind of thing. Um, so it is all really good, but the 1917, I think it's ruined by the fact Saving Private Ryan is ruined by the fact you've got that modern day bit. I mean, you've got an amazing gift that I can now send to you because you're feeling old of Matt Damon turning from young to old. But I just don't like the modern day bit. And it really put like a damper on the ending to me. Um, to an already like, it's going to sound really stupid, but a war movie kind of ending. It like had a set piece. And I know 1917 had a set piece, but it wasn't a massive battle. He was literally running to get to achieve his mission. Um, <clears throat> so 1917, yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of that because... When he, find, he, he finally finds the company and he's like, oh, fuck, fuck, I found them. We're just sat in a forest. And obviously it's not that easy. Oh, no, they're, they're about to go over the line. So he, he belts it there. Uh, and again, he's going through the stages of the trenches and it's getting worse and worse. And you can see it's getting, they're getting more and more prepared to jump over. And you can see the clock is ticking and you know people are about to die. Uh, and he's like, no, fuck it. This is the quickest way starts running as they go over the line and that is I think that ending when he's running is just as intense as parts of the opening of Saving Private Ryan and he's just fucking absolutely belting it and when he finally gets there he's been, he essentially told to fuck off, nobody wants to listen to him he's not, he barely even gets in um, and Benedict Cumberbatch's character is an absolute arsehole but I, you know I understand that, uh, not on the not on the scale of war, but I understand that message of no, we can't do that now. But it's probably a different message is going to come in in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, finally get he, he doesn't even get respect. You watch him go through all this shit and you shit they didn't really even want to go through. He doesn't even get the respect of anything other than that one guy that shakes his hand and says job well done. Now go get something to eat or go get oh no, it's Richard Madden that says that well, go get yourself sorted out. So you can pretty much carry on your job. Um, it isn't until like Richard Madden that the real emotional kind of part of the ending comes in. Um, and he gets a lot of respect from him. But the sitting down next to the tree, picking out his photos, and then just staring off into the distance to kind of recuperate, just really fucking hit me. Um, massive lump in my throat watching that. I just think it's a lot more of a personal ending than Saving Private Ryan. I think Saving Private Ryan went for that emotional personal ending and didn't didn't stick the landing, whereas 1917 definitely did. Um, and it just affected me a lot, lot more. I think in terms of the personal emotional ending, I think if 19 if, uh, Saving Private Ryan didn't show the last bit, I think they nailed it beautifully with Tom Hanks' character and the way he died and the, when, and he tells the, when he tells Ryan to earn it, Earn yeah. this. I think I think that's a really really well done and really personal. But I think yeah, the stuff with the old man, I'm not too big a fan of. But everything that comes before it, I love. Uh, so I've 
gone 10-9 in favour of favourite Private Ryan for that because I love that, like I said, any traditional movie, it ends when they find Ryan and the mission's completed, but instead we have this whole huge like showdown afterwards because he refuses to leave his like comrades behind and he refuses to ditch the job. Um, I think it adds a new wrinkle to what you've probably seen in most of those sorts of movies where it is just get the mission done and once we're there, we're done. And this time it was like, no... I've got a job to do and I'm not leaving until, it's, until I've uh, finished it. And I think I really liked that. And like I said, the showdown and the way all these people that we've grown to love over the course of like two and a half hours are just taken taken down like the way they are. Like I said, Adam Goldberg's character being stabbed like that. It's just and li- having the coward listening in and when he knowing he could have stopped it and he didn't, it's, it's so fucking infuriating. Or... Um, the snap, the religious sniper, just going on that crusade where he's just taking everyone out up top, and then he he looks and the the tanks zeroed in on him, and it's like he has that moment to realization before it's too late, stuff like that, or even like I've spoke about before, but fucking Tom Sizemore in this film is fucking awesome, and his the way he Tom Sizemore a lot more considering how much you love him. Yeah, I well we'll get to supporting soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, even the way he he dies and it's like he's wounded and like get over here and then the next time we see him, it's just his face down. I like it's just brutal. It's so fucking brutal. Um, but I think that's what captures like the the essence of war and like how unforgiving it is. Whereas, like you said, the nineteen seventeen one is is a very sombre ending and it's it feels in when he gets when he sits down and um, the Richard Madden stuff is heartbreaking and. If we could have had Richard Mann in that movie more, that would have been nice. But um, mm. just those moments, it's it's a it's a very like you said, quiet ending. And aside from the bit when he's running across, like we got the bit before, right before that I didn't mention either. Where he, he he finds this this company is piss wet through because he's just been nearly died again for like what must be like the fucking fourteenth time in twenty four hours, and um, he he sits and listens to the to the guy singing and everybody's dead quiet it's like it literally is the calm before the storm and it's it's like a moment to breathe before this the anxiety like let, like grabs you again and he's just sat there staring like he he's he, he thinks he's kind of failed and then he's he, you see that hope again and i just i really love that he's not really celebrated for what he's done the ending isn't a celebration of him finally achieving his mission. It's it's his own personal just relief that, that really worked for me. Yeah, I think that's another a good point on like the sheer reality of war as well. Is there's no time to celebrate and pat you on the back. It's like we're, we're carrying like we're going on. This isn't ending now. Like your your personal job done, but we've still got work to do. That type of thing is really good. But. Um, in terms of like the action and stuff, and like I said, the way they portray the tanks as like these monsters when you can just hear them groaning as they come around and everyone's like hiding, like I thought it was so well done in Saving Private Ryan. So that's what I went with. Although I will say, I think Tom Hanks' death really fucks me off because it wasn't necessary. Yeah. But I think, again, that's probably a, a very specific choice by Spielberg, whereas he, he walks out and he's trying to get that thing and he doesn't. He gets shot before he can get to it. And then the planes come and save it anyway. So if he'd have waited behind the, the, the wall minutes longer, he'd have survived. So he died for nothing, essentially. But again, I think that's what Spielberg was trying to capture with the entire like set piece where all these characters died. Like That's just war. It happens. So it's probably a smart choice. But it's upsetting because 
we'll get on to main cards in a sec, but it, it felt it felt shit to see him go like that. And it's it, it's almost portrayed as like a heroic death, but it's he's kind of not because he didn't achieve anything there. Um but yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of saving Private Ryan, and you went 10-9 in favour of 1917. So we'll move on to the main characters then, which for a while you're led to believe will be very different in 1917. So in Saving Private Ryan, it's Tom Hanks as Captain Miller. It's not Private Ryan because he doesn't show up till like two hours into the film. And in 1917, you are led to believe that it's going to be this young uh, soldier, Blake, who was given this mission to go and get a message to his brother and tell the, um, his group to call off their attack as it's a trap. And he's played by the guy from Game of Thrones, Dean Chapman, uh, Tommen. And he gets told to take a, a soldier with him and he takes George McKay's Schofield. And you're led to believe he's the main character until, spoiler alert, 50 minutes in, which I actually made a note of because I checked the time when it happened. 50 minutes in, they fucking kill him off, which is just fucking shocking. And instead, George McKay becomes the main character. And for the rest of the movie, he's essentially on his own for large, large parts, just trying to complete this mission. Um, in terms of like leading roles, he's obviously got a lot more to do on his own because like it's it's harder to act on your own. Uh, I think we said this in the past, like with stuff like The Martian with Matt Damon or Castaway with Tom Hanks, you need a very very good actor to make to watch them alone for a long period of time and still find it entertaining. And I think George McKay is tasked with that in the second half of nineteen seventeen. What film were we talking about when we were talking about that? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. No, me neither. <laughs> I can't remember. But um, maybe it was my best films that I've watched for the first time in 2023, because I watched The Martian last year. Um, but yeah, he does a really good job of that. And there are, there are obviously moments where he interacts with all these different people and he and he has like the, the, the fights with the sniper um, and the soldier where he like, in the dark, um, in those like ruins when he like, there's the other one like, like in the corner and he's scrapping there and he has all these moments, but it's so much of him al alone and he does a really good job of that. And that like the scene when he first sits down with that group and they're singing and he just looks shell shocked, like you just look at his face and no one's ever looked more fucking gone. And like they notice it as well when they're all talking to him and stuff and make sure he's all right. Like it's a really, really good performance, but he's coming up against Tom Hanks who, I think by this point, he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world, late 90s. Like, he's only done, like, Toy Story, Forrest Gump and all that jazz. Um, and his character's incredible. Like, it's it, it'd take a lot to really believe Tom Hanks, who had been this wholesome, like, hero in all these movies over the years, to be, like, this leading captain in, a world, in the World War II. But he does a really fucking good job of it. And it's hard to watch it now and think of anyone else in that role, because I think... There was a, I heard something that I think Mel Gibson was con and Harrison Ford were both considered for the character before Tom Hanks got it. Um, and now it's hard to imagine anyone else playing it. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine either of those in the role because Harrison Ford gives off. I know Tom Hanks has played like a lot of like here, but Harrison Ford would have done like Indiana Jones and stuff. Like he very much like you're a hero, so it's, it wouldn't have the same kind of effect of, like with Tom Hanks' character is, you know, it's revealed that he was, he was a teacher. And yeah. He kind of wants to 
get the war over if he wants to get home kind of thing. Uh, but he's got a duty to uphold. Kind of, and I don't think that's believable with like Mel Gibson or, or Harrison Ford. Tom Hanks is, was the perfect kind of, what's the word, every, every man. Yeah. And I think the speech Tom Hanks gives where he talks about his background and it's like, oh, what's the pool now? And then he reveals he was a teacher. And he's like, before here, everyone used to guess my profession, but now none of you known it. And I feel like I've changed so much that my wife won't recognise me and stuff like that. And I think that is a performance that someone like Tom Hanks can only give. And you can buy he was a teacher. Whereas if Harrison Ford's saying that, I'm like, fucking come on now, pal. No one looked at you and guessed you as a teacher. He's literally a teacher in Indiana Jones. Yeah, but did anyone look at him and say, you're a teacher? No one would have guessed that. Sexy teacher. <laughs> so on that sense, I went 10-9 in favour of Saving Private Ryan because I just think Tom Hanks is such an incredible actor and he gives such an incredible performance that it's hard to overlook. And I did really like George McKay. But I also think because for the first half of the movie, he's not the main character, it kind of takes it away from him a little bit. Because um, for the, 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 like I said, the first 50 minutes... He's playing second fiddle to Dean Chapman's um, Blake. What's his last name? Blake, that was it. Just completely blanked on it. But yeah, so I went with Tom Hanks, 10-9. Yeah, I like Schofield. Um, I disagree that he played second fiddle. I think, I didn't know what was coming, but I think he really held up his own. I thought it was going to be that double act of the, the straight man and the hopeful one. I mean, it's really believable what happens that, uh, Blake's going to continue as the main character because he's got this like naive hopefulness and you kind of in your brain you're going to go well that's going to go away as shit hits the fan and he's going to come out a broken man um, I mean he does very much broken um, but it's very believable that he's going to be the main character and when it all kind of twists and turns and we get Schofield as the main character instead you kind of say oh no it's it's never been about that it's been about this and I really really enjoyed it Play, like I say, played it perfectly. That shell shot look. Um, w- watching it, I was like, he weirdly, more than anybody in any period war film that I've ever seen, he, the guy who plays, what's his name, sorry, who's played Schofield. Oh, uh, George McKay. George McKay looks like somebody who would have been, like if you was to watch old archival footage, he looks exactly like what people would look like, looked like back then. And I know people haven't changed that much, but this is like a distinct look, isn't it? And he definitely looks the part. And he plays it all, that fear, that, um, what's that? when he's attacking people and like the desperation is the word I'm looking for, that fear and desperation. Every time he has to either run or fight or fly, it's, he plays it absolutely. When he plays, when he when he meets the woman hiding with the child, you, that's when you kind of go, "Oh, I know what's in that little tin in his pocket." He's got kids that he's trying to get back to. Um, d- didn't mean that the ending was any less heartbreaking when it's finally revealed, but you kind of see a softness there as well. And quite up to then, he's been quite hard faced. Um, he, he's pretty br- like blunt with with Blake and. Even after he saved his life, he's pretty, pretty blunt. But he's, yeah, it's he, he, because, like you said, because he's on his own, everything he does has got to win you over. And if he hadn't done it so well, I think you've got to give credit to him because if it was any other guy who didn't put as much effort into it or wasn't as believable in that role, that film wouldn't have worked at all. It had to, it had to work, and it all rested on his shoulders. And I think he did a fantastic performance. And I loved his character. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks. It's 10 out of 10 because he 
like you say, there's lit- we say it quite a few times, but that one, I cannot think of anybody else in the role other than Tom Hanks because, yeah, he looks like every single teacher, but also he looks like every single, like, squad leader in an army. He, like, in, in that kind of situation, he all the way through the film you know there's something that handshaking could be anything it's never really explained what that is either um it's just there's so many little moments that give him a lot of depth and you know like with the pool and how originally he's like i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna tell you how he acts with like um jeffrey day is it jeffrey davis jeremy davis the the coward um yeah he's very like straightforward to the point to this guy who's just been kind of dragged into this situation he's got a lot of respect for his squad um even when the guy's you know saying i'm gonna i'm gonna leave like fuck this i'm gonna leave kind of thing he he doesn't let up um he everything that you said essentially leading up to his death like when he finally meets ryan um there's very much like he respects Ryan for what he's doing, even though he knows he's got a duty to, to uphold. Um, yeah, nothing more to add on what you've already said other than it's fucking Tom Hanks and you can't, I don't think you can argue that performance against um, 1917s. It's it's just fantastic. And it's, again, like what well, like I said, 19, he's got to sell the movie and it's Tom Hanks. And the fact that, you know, we've had Big and, and all those like rom-coms and stuff like that, you got, I think at the time, you've got to give him credit for what, what he's achieved in Saving Private Ryan because you really believe absolutely everything that he's putting out there. Yeah, it's completely different to anything he did before. So it was obviously a big, big performance from him. And we fucking, I mean, Tom Hanks in the 90s is probably like almost the peak of movie stars. Like that guy was doing fucking bits everywhere. So it'd be hard to vote against him. But after the main characters, talking to uh, Tom Sizemore in the is it the abandoned church that they're all kind of sleeping in? Yeah, I feel like that's that film's quiet moment, I think, and it's done so well. It's like this natural conversation between two people who respect each other, but he's still holding back his life. He's still holding back like what he's going through, and I just think it's just really, really well done. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but you spoke about my guy, Tom Sizemore, then. Yeah. We'll move on to the, the best supporting cast, because while the 1917 one isn't as big, they are both quite star-studded with the certain faces that show up in them. So I'll just run through some off the top of my head now. Like, in 1917, you've got Colin Firth, you've got Mark Strong, you've got Richard Madden, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch, you've got um, what you got Andrew Scott, did you say his name was? I don't know who that is, but you said him, so... It counts. Um, and then in, I mean, technically you've got Dean Chapman as well, because obviously you tend yeah. he's not the main younger uh, Tom and Baraf- uh, Baratheon. And then in Saving Private Ryan, it's just fucking unbelievable. Like some of the names that show up, I'm not even talking about the main cast. Like in the main cast, you've obviously got Matt Damon, who we're both big fans of. You've got Ed Burns, who plays the dickhead soldier. You've got Fucking Daniel Faraday from Lost, who I can't remember his real name. Um, Jeremy Davis. You've got Vin Diesel, who actually gives a solid performance. You've got Adam Goldberg, who I only really remembered seeing him before this in 
friends yeah. as Joey's roommate. So when he showed up in this, I was like, oh, shit, he's giving a fucking unbelievable performance. Um, you've got Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Brian, Nathan Fillion. Brian Cranston. Yeah, Ted Danson. Yeah. Like, there's so many fucking big names that show up in that movie. Some of them, it's for a couple of scenes, and that's that. Like, um, also, I don't know his name, but fucking how good is the older version of Private Ryan? Like, how much does he look like Matt Damon? He does it's, look like that. It's insane. <laughs> they did a good job with that. They did a very good job with that. It's a shame he weren't a good actor as well as looking like it. Uh, it doesn't matter. Just that that one transition where it made him from Matt Damon to all that were worth it. Like it was that was a solid shot. Um, but yeah, both casts are just absolutely insane. Um, we're just some of the biggest names in the industry at those times. And in Saving Private Ryan's case, some of the biggest names in the industry before they became the biggest names in the industry, like I said, Brian Cranston and stuff like that, and Paul Giamatti who is one of the favourites winning Oscar this year. That's how long that motherfucker's been around. Um, so how did you score it? Oh, it's me first, isn't it? And yeah. I think that Saving Private Ryan cast is fantastic, but it's let down by Tom Sizemore. Get vote. Get <laughs> I didn't even mention his name then. <laughs> no, because I know when you're going to speak, you've got a massive rant about him. You think I'm fucking stupid. I went 10-10. 10-10? Yeah, because... Obviously, like we've said with the story, the cast make Saving Private Ryan what it is. Um, I think without that massive cast, the, the squad and how well they work together, um, it wouldn't work as well. <laughs> it wouldn't work as well um, and how everybody plays it. And you've got people like Vin Diesel, who I think in my letterbox review went, oh, this was the one and only time Vin Diesel could act. Um it's probably the only time I've ever seen him do like a serious role as well. And he did really, really like he did really, really well. Bless him, give him a ribbon. Um, and absolutely everybody else in it is is fantastic. Um, uh, Giovanni Ribisi, we'll talk about him very shortly. But like, he, what a phenomenal performance! But everybody brings their A game, other than the the old man at the beginning and the end. In my opinion, I think he was shit and really let the film down. Um, not that we try and be negative on this but uh over the when it comes to uh Kirsten Dunst I've had a lot yeah. of that one. Um but 1917 has like a handful, literally a handful of big big cast members. Um and every time you meet them it's so impactful. So I didn't know the cast of this movie at all other than I knew Richard Madden was in it at some point and I didn't know who he'd play because apparently he was supposed to look exactly like Blake but a little older and he fucking doesn't. That kid was chatting pure shit. I don't know who he was trying to fool with that bollocks. That's how he gets girls, I think. Yeah, I look like my older brother. No, you fucking don't, pal. He's a stalk. Yeah, um, you got no chance. Uh, so I didn't know absolutely anybody. So walking in seeing... Uh, Colin Firth was like, oh shit, <laughs> didn't realise you were in this movie. And it's always fantastic. But again, it's a quiet performance. Like, this is what you've got to do. It's a quiet performance. And then you you know, you know, meet Mark Strong and it's a very quiet performance. It's not bomba. It's not Mark Strong singing um, Take Me Home Country Road in The Kingsman. It's Mark Strong playing it quiet. Um, and then you meet Benedict Cumberbatch and it's 
short to the point agitated really really impactful and everything that everything that every single character does in 1917 that you meet Richard Madden you know it um elevates the main character's struggle or the main character's mission or the main character's emotional state uh, absolutely everything including um the guy who played uh, Blake what's his name Dean Chapman Dean Chapman including him he's about to do a Star Wars film is he yeah Nice. That the acolyte, he's oh, in the- yeah, oh, it's a TV show, but yeah, oh, is it? Yeah, Fuck knows. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, like his performance had me believing he was going to be the main character, like he's so convincing. And again, we'll talk about him again shortly, but he's so convincing, did a really good job of being that optimism in a shitty place that. You, you didn't expect anything to happen to him. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't decide between either of them because they're both, for different reasons, they're both it's a, both a great supporting cast. Saving Private Ryan has a lot of heavy hitters and they all work in tandem with each other to elevate the story and elevate the, the feeling of that, the camaraderie. Uh, whereas, nice word, that was a good word to use. And in 1917, it's a small cast but they use it to elevate the main character's emotional journey throughout the film. So I, I genuinely couldn't decide between the two of them. Yeah, I think I for me... Tom, Tom Sizemore's in Saving Private Ryan, so I know what you're going to fucking score it. I just think, for me, I think a lot of the characters in 1917 aren't asked to do a lot in the sense that, like you said, they are very reserved performances. And it feels like, like I like Mark Strong, but I feel like you could swap him out there for someone else and it wouldn't change too much because he's not asked to do what Mark Strong is great at doing. So I think it wouldn't be too big a miss if we swapped him out. I mean, I wouldn't change Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's fantastic at the end. Um, and Richard Madden, big Richard Madden guy. Rob Stark was my fucking homie. Loved Rob Stark. Um, and I feel like I was the only person in the world that didn't mind Eternals and... Uh, other than he doesn't have to do a sex scene, clearly. No. Um, so I like the cast and I love, I think Dean Chapman's incredible. And the scene when he's talking to, he's trying to tell the, the, the story about how the friend lost his ear and George McKay's character score feels not interested whatsoever, but it's that like optimism that you need to keep the spirits high on a journey like that. And it, and it shows when he, I mean, obviously if he passes, things going to take a turn for the worst anyway, but for the rest of it, when he's not there, it shows like the impact that has on uh, Schofield and he doesn't have that friend to just keep him going and it shows how he spirals quickly and that's why he ends up in the state he does towards the end. But I think the Saving Private Ryan cast, like it's so big and everyone who comes in just like bats a thousand when they're in it. Like Nathan Fillion, when he does the scene where he finds out his brothers are dead and then they're not. Like fucking hell, that's incredible. Like sometimes when people are dealt bad news in films, you cut away either before you tell them or just as you say it, like they don't ever really show people's reactions to like truly heartbreaking news because a lot of actors aren't up to giving those sorts of performances. Whereas when you watch Nathan Fillion and like, you just see the reaction in his face as it dawns on him, it's fucking really good. And even we, Matt Damon, when they first tell him his brother's died and he says, which ones? And he says, the Tom Hanks says all of them. It's like shit. Like it's so good. Um, 
Tom yeah, Sizemore, think, obviously incredible. Feel off about Tom Sizemore. I do think the Nathan Fillion thing is kind of undercut. I don't think it's supposed. It was intended to be as funny as it is, but I think it's undercut by the fact that it is played off as a little bit of a joke when he's like, he's is. I agree when he breaks down, really good. But then his emotion, his reaction afterwards, felt like it came from a comedy or a Marvel. Yeah, once he finds out it's not him and he still refuses to believe it, things take a turn for the worst in that, that scene. But like you said, even Vin Diesel gives a good performance. And Rabisi, who we'll talk about very shortly, but that one scene on its own. But even not just that, the scene in like when they're at that church and he talks about how he used to pretend to be asleep to avoid talking to his mum and stuff and how that's been like playing on his mind while he's out there. Like Rabisi gives a great performance. Sizemore, obviously, top fucking notch because he just fucking, he runs that shit. Love that guy. Like the scene when he's talking to Hanks and he says, if we could save Private Ryan, then at least we could do one like goddamn good thing in this war or something like that. I can't remember like what the exact words, but it's such like powerful moment. Um, I like Ed, Edward Burns' um, breakdown as in like, why the fuck are we risking our men's lives? Why the fuck are we putting our lives at risk for this one guy? And that whole that whole argument is really well done. And you can it's convincing enough to be like, I fucking agree with this guy. I'd be I'd probably be on your side, mate. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think Ed Burns is like really good in that film. I think he's fucking awesome. Um and I'm glad he survived. Fuck it. He he had sense all the way through. He deserved to survive. Um, Adam Goldberg as well. Like I said, only cinema friend, but he was incredible. Barry Pepper as the sniper was incredible. Uh, Paul Giamatti is always great, whatever he does. Yeah. Um, I just think the, the cast was fucking awesome. And some of them obviously weren't in it much. Like Brian Cranston just missing an arm. Didn't really have much to do. But it's Brian Cranston who is, is never... The film's never worse with Brian Cranston in it, put it that way. Um, um Whoa, what, what is it? The Total Recall reboot? You weren't great in that. I've not seen that, obviously, because I don't watch shite. <laughs> the Total Recall reboot. Just listen to the exact words you just said and tell me why you even fucking watched it. I watched the Robocop reboot as well. Not good. I can imagine. They all sound shite. Um, we can do one episode where we do like Total Recall versus Robocop and then we do the next week. The reboots. Reboots and compare them. Um... But yeah, and that's not even to get on Matt Damon. That's not even to get on Matt Damon, who is obviously Matt fucking Damon. Uh, he's just incredible in everything. I, I've, always, I've, I'm always happy when Matt Damon shows up in a movie. Um, and this was no different. I love that the scene when Tom Hanks on the bridge at the end, and he looks across and Damon's freaking out. Like it's just, a, it's just like such a small moment, but like it just shows how good an actor he is. Um, I just, I think he's great. I don't think, I think the story he's telling Hanks when he says, when he tells the story about the barn and the girl, and it's like, it's the last day we're together. Bit of a stupid story. But I was talking about the character, I was like, fuck me, we're saving this dipshit. Like, what? All this effort for this clown. Um, I like that because it shows that, like, he's he's having like a moment remembering his brother. And everybody's got those stupid fucking stories with the family. Like, yeah. Just really, like, positive moment. And then you don't know how it's, because at this point, you're still like, unless you're like really clever which obviously I wasn't. You still don't know who that old man at the end is going to be. And I genuinely thought the whole film, because I, I don't know how I would avoided it so much. I didn't know he died. And even when I was watching it, I've used that gif 
so many times of him turning older. And as I was watching it, I completely forgot. That's how I was. That's how engrossed I was with the movie. Like I completely forgot. So all this, when you're seeing the hope and optimism coming from him, I mean, I should have seen that. Well, I shouldn't have seen 1917. But when you see the hope and optimism coming, you think, yeah, this kid's not surviving. Mm-hmm. He is fucking dead. Um, because that's kind of like a very war kind of film to do, uh, thing to do of this big mission where you've had a lot of loss and you finally find this kid that's got a lot of hope. It's, it, he really sold that he could be in trouble. And had I remembered the gif, I would have been fine. But I genuinely was like, nah, I think he's going to fucking die. But, yeah, and I also like that he wasn't a great... he Like, he wasn't this big hero. He was like a cocky young lad and it was like so and when they first found him some of the group was like we risked our lives for this prick like i think that was more interesting than they just met him it was this blue collar fucking goody two shoes i think it just it made it more interesting and it added to the story and, and matt damon's fucking matt damon who is great so you put matt damon and big tommy size mode together you can't go fucking wrong they're on the same par <laughs> do you know what an interesting story is though steven spielberg liked tom sizemore that much that he had he cast him in this but because sizemore had like alcohol and drug issues in the 90s apparently they did a drugs and alcohol test every day he showed up to set and if he failed once they were kicking him off and he passed every fucking time because he went to work with big steven spielberg we love it god bless tom sizemore may he rest in peace it's in two of my favorite films of all time and i've only seen him in three things ever he deserves to be a more blessing. Um, but yeah, we'll move on then. And we spoke about it enough, so we might as well get to the the most impactful. I mean, it sounds quite callous to just phrase it as they talk about movies like army movies, but the most impactful like death scene because both movies, while Saving Private Ryan has a lot, a lot of death, and like that entire ending with all the main characters essentially apart from bar three getting getting picked off and Tom Hanks is emotional end. Um, aside from that, there's two fairly like important deaths earlier on in the movie. you got Vin Diesel, who is killed when he tries to save the young girl and he gets sniped um, and he just dies in the rain, which is quite brutal and hard-hitting. But the most impactful death, I think, in the entire movie is Giovanni Ribisi, who is the doctor. Um, and obviously, he gives that performance so well beforehand and he talks about his mum earlier and then as the doctor, he's one of the most important members of the team. And when they try to storm that uh, little barrack place um, and they succeed, but they lose him while doing it. And he ends up getting shot and he's on the ground. And it's so in, like incredible because he he's given instructions whilst he's fucking dying. Like he's like, oh, feel, feel where it is. Let me see where the blood's coming from. And he's telling him he needs morphine and stuff. And his performance then is insane. I think I said this to you before. I can't remember why what we were talking about. It might have been talking about this like off camera, but in movies too often, I think characters die heroically. Yeah. Like they're not afraid. And that nine times out of 10 in real life, you'd be afraid. So having him talk about how he doesn't want to die and calling out for his mom and stuff, like it's so fucking emotional. And it's it hits you differently because like you said, bless you, too many times you've seen characters play that not not play it off but like die bravely and he doesn't he dies terrified and he's not like he doesn't hold that back and he shows that to the world bless you you're always going to <laughs> um and it's just 
Rabisi's a good actor anyway, and the stuff of the callback to when he was saying he'd, he'd pretend to be asleep and ignore his mum, and then he's calling out for his mum as he's dying. Like it's, it it it's hard to watch it and not tear up. Oh, oh, here we go. Always coming too, and you've just done three. You fucking liar, bastard. Bless you. Um, yeah, Rabisi's end is probably the most emotional bit in that film for me. Um, and then you pair that with Dean Chapman's Blake in. 1917, where it just comes so out of left field. It doesn't feel like, even when you see him get stabbed, it doesn't feel like the wound's enough, but it's yeah, hard, it's easy to forget. You what, sorry? You see him get stabbed. That's how unceremonious it is. You turn around and he's just been stabbed. But even then, it doesn't feel like it's a, a, like where it is and stuff. It just feels like, oh, no, he'll be fine. But then you forget, like, this is the early 20th century. This is like, like it's 1917. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like, things were different then and it's so strange how it goes from oh he's been wounded because I when I watched it in the cinema I had no fucking clue so when he got stabbed I was like oh he's been wounded but we'll get there and then it was like wait surely not yeah. and the shock that comes with that one and then the emotional scene when he keeps saying oh will you get this to my mum uh, and then he asks him to talk to him and stuff it's so it's it's so emotional I mean they both are which is why Again, this was a similarity we saw in the movies where there's these two very standout death scenes where two important characters go. Um, and this might be surprising, but I actually went 10 9 in favor of 1917 here. Because while I think Mabisi's moment is really well acted and it's emotional, and the whole, the whole, like the fact that it's a mistake from Tom Hanks' character and the aftermath, we see him break down and cry, um, it really adds to it. But because it's such a large cast, I don't think it's felt as much, whereas after Dean Chapman, which is a big surprise as well, because we thought it was the main character up until that point. Um, and we know they're trying to get to his brother. like So we, we know there's there's going to be that reveal down the line as well. Um, but the fact that it comes out of nowhere, it comes at his own mistake for not killing the German, like uh, Schofield wants to. He says, no, I'll get him some water. And then as he, that's when it happens. Um, and the impact where it leaves Schofield to complete the journey on his own, like it just feels like the ramifications are so much bigger in that movie. And because it's so shocking, I went 10 down in favour of that. Oh, I'm glad because I didn't want to fucking argue with you about this because I went 10 down in favour of 1917 as well. For the exact kind of same reasons, it's it's more of a shock. And you get that, um, like I said, you get that, you know we're going to meet his brother so you know that that second punch is coming. But I think what's... I, I love um, Rabisi's death, which is a weird sentence to say. I'm about um, to say, what the fuck? Like, I love how he's done. I love how he's um, instructing them on what to do to try and keep himself alive. And then there's a there's a point in both, but Rabisi, you can tell this is where he's kind of, I oh, know now I need to like beg for my life kind of thing. You know he knows that he's, he can't make it. He's a, he's a fucking medic. He knows what's going to happen, which is a lot more tragic. Um, and his before again, I at that point, I'd only seen him in Friends. Like, I'm, oh, not at that point. At that point, he would have only been in Friends. But like, I only kind of recognise him from. I've seen him in other stuff, most specifically when he's doing the weird dance in front of the TV in Ted. Um, massive career. That's all I remember him from that and friends. Well, um, most importantly, he lost out as the drummer in that thing you do after breaking his arm. And oh, did he? 
Yeah, because you know, remember, he was at the beginning. He was the oh yeah, yeah of course he was, he was the drummer, and then because he broke his arm, the new guy came in. Yeah, I thought you were telling tell me like a behind the scenes detail. Then completely forgot he was. You know, of course he is. Of course yeah. he is. I need to rewatch that film. Christ, um, um, film night. <laughs> we'll just, let's do it again. We'll just watch it again. Um, so, but yeah, nineteen seventeen. It just. I oh, know what was I saying. Yeah, so I've only noticed. He really, I really, really remember him from Friends. So watching him do like such a heavy performance as he's dying, it's like nothing, nothing else. And I say it's elevated by what he said about his mom, but it's 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 brutal, and you don't really get to look away from it either. Um, and you're watching everybody else's reaction. It's a reaction of we're losing somebody we're super close to. We're losing somebody who's important because he's a medic. He's important to us. And our, and our group, but it's also there. There's also that undertone of we're losing you for a fucking mission that we really don't agree with, kind of thing. And it, it, all of those mixed together to make a, a great scene. But 1917 is so, like I say, you don't even see the stab. It's so unceremonious. You think you think you're watching the main character, and it's just so fucking shocking is literally the only way I can describe it. So shocking that it just happens. There's no there's no indication it's coming. You think because maybe because they're saving private Ryan, you think, oh, get him some water, we're gonna be nice to him. It's gonna bite him back in the arse later on potentially, but not right in that second. And it's he does a fantastic performance of calling out for his mother as well. But there's that moment again where he kind of switches and he goes from dying to like he's practically dead already. He doesn't know what he, he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what's happening to him. And I, I love that Schofield's are honest with him. And he's like, you are, yes, you're dying kind of thing. Um, it's fucking brutal, that. Just lie. <laughs> yeah, and I think that speaks more to Schofield's character, like who his character is versus who Blake's character was. Um, but then you've got that great moment when people turn up and they say, like, do you need a hand or whatever? Yeah. And... They help move him. I thought they were going to move him over to those blossoms, like carry him all the way over to them blossoms, because you had that beautiful moment before where they're talking about the his mum's like gardening and what have you. Again, a quiet before the storm, which is what 1917 did really, really well. But then they kind of move him, and then Mark Strong's like, "Come with me." Um, and there's that slight hesitation to leave him, and then he's like, "No, I've got, I've got a mission. I've got to obviously carry on his mission now." And he just does one look back and then walks away. Um, I just think it's really, really done on an emotional level more. Not more, just, just. I think it just hits a lot harder than Saving Private Ryan did because it's just been these two. He'd just been, it just saved his life in those, in those um, barracks. And it just had all these moments together. I just think it really, just really, really hit. I think the shock of it, like you say, the the fact that it was just the two of them, it just really gut punched more than any more than Saving Private any of the deaths in Saving Private Ryan, to be honest, other than Tom Hanks's. I was cheering when Tom Sizemore died. Were you folk? You were heartbroken, as was everyone. But um, I think going back to Abisi, I'd probably say that's probably one of his best ever performances. Like especially that scene alone. And I love the 
the moments where he needs morphine, but they're all kind of looking at each other like, are we going to waste this morphine on someone who knows dying? So it's like, the, the, he's so close to him and they're like, they're loyal to him, but they're all still like quite selfish in a sense that like we need to reserve this stuff. And it's not until obviously Miller's like, no, give it him. Like he wants him to go out as painlessly as possible that it happens, which is quite a, a moving scene. But yeah, I think like you said, the shock of Dean Chapman's death and the implications it has on Schofield's journey the fact it came out and all that, even if they just let that German burn, like they instead of saving him out of that plane, and it's like just those little choices like that, it's like infuriating. Um, I like how it production wise as well, like he goes, the blood in 1917 just fucking spreads really, really quickly, like dampens yeah. absolutely everything. And you can, as it's spreading, you can see him getting paler and paler and paler until he's literally white. And some clever editing tricks with how it all happened, but. Yeah, just really, really well executed. Yeah, um, and I love that moment. Like, I don't execute, love it. Maybe execute is the wrong word, but I don't, I don't, I don't love it. But the moment when he he asks out what happened, I've been hit, and he says what got me, and he's like, you've been stabbed. Like it's, it is quite good to play like that, um, and it's really yeah, effective. Like in most films, it would be like, no, no, you'll be fine, you'll be safe, we'll, we'll get you there, we'll we'll sort you all out. But he's just like, mate, you're fucking dying. I can't do anything about this. And I think that adds to like the brutality of war in the sense that in most movies, people do refuse to believe that it's over. Like, no, nah, we're going to get you somewhere. You're going to be fine. Whereas him, he's probably seen so many friends die at this point that he's like, no, nah, you're gone. There's nothing I can do. You're gone. Yeah. But heavy hitting shit from both movies. Um, talk After deaths then, we'll talk about the action in both. <laughs> Let's, yeah, let's bump it up a bit. Yeah, because like there's a lot of action in Saving Private Ryan, especially the beginning and the end. It's just action packed. Whereas 1917, it's a bit more like space in the action, and it's never quite on that level. Um, so it's it's a difficult one. But how did you score it? Ten, nine. Yeah, yeah, it's a good start. <laughs> to Saving Private Ryan, because obviously, do I do I do you want me to explain it, or are we just going to understand that Saving Private Ryan is the fucking better? It's, it's 1917 has got action, but you aren't a part of the action. You are um, flying by it. It's almost like this. Well, it's not almost like they're literally trying to avoid the action. They're trying to skirt past it, and everything big isn't i think because of how well the single camera shot is and how well they use that you can't really cut away to like these big action sequences happening elsewhere um you have to kind of keep with these characters at all times or at least close and i really really love the camera work in it it's i think it really really helped me feel closer to those two characters or one characters um, <laughs> But it does sacrifice. You do have to sacrifice some stuff, and I think action is one of them. Obviously, you got the big run at the end, which so well done, so well executed, so well thought out and planned. Had to be um, the massive that that was impactful. But it will never nothing in that film. The the gun uh, the dog fight uh, with the airplanes um, happening above him. Uh, or the when he's running away from the from the Germans in the in the burnt out town, 
um, nothing really will compare to not even just like the first five seconds of the Omaha Beach or when Vin Diesel gets shot. Like even then, the action there is intense. Um, when they find the bunker, when Rabisi dies, like you, you especially. I mean, I watched it in a cinema screen, so I had that extra oomph. But you can hear every single gun, every single gunshot felt impactful. It felt like it was packing a punch. Um, and of course, at the beginning, there's a lot of gunshots. Um, like you said about the tank, it felt like a monster. It felt like something looming. It didn't feel like, oh, it's just a. This is just going to be another action scene. It, it felt like something big, um, and. Yeah, I don't think you can really compare the two on action as much because I think Saving Private Ryan is an act, a war action war movie, whereas 1917 is a different kind of war movie. But yeah, no, absolutely no comparison. I think if you show somebody 15, 20 seconds of the Saving Private Ryan's Omaha Beach scene and then show them the, the big action scene from 1917 where he's running, I don't, I know exactly what somebody will want to watch more of. Yeah, yeah. I also think like how well that acts that that especially the opening scene in Saving Prime Ryan's is like that film looks like it could have been filmed last week. Like mm-hmm. and it's 26, 27 years ago now that that film came out, which is fucking wild. A lot of that film looks pretty modern. Yeah. The, Other than the fact that you can clearly sh- you can clearly see it shot on film and not digital. I think yeah. you, I think you could release that now and it would probably still do massive numbers. Yeah, and I think the action at the beginning, um, even just when they first opened the boat, and then everyone like the, the gun, the, the machine gun flurries that just takes out everyone, and everyone, then they have to start diving over. And when people are underwater trying to unclip the stuff, and as they're trying to unclip it, you see the bullets come through and kill them while they're down there, or the guy drowning. Like just kicking off the movie with the most explosive action you've ever fucking seen. It just but none of it feels like fuck yeah. Like none of it feels no. like none of it feels like John Wick when no. you're like. Yeah, kill him. Yeah, fucking throw him over that bench or a fucking rail guard and chuck him onto the second floor or that kind of shit. It's it's heartbreaking watching it. Yeah, I think. I think the fact that like that whole knowing that because Omaha Beach was obviously it wasn't a fictional showdown. That was a real thing storming the beach and like stuff like that. It, that's what makes it hit harder knowing people went through that like it's that's in history which is fucking crazy um so kicking off the movie with that and then ending it like bookending the movie with that and the showdown at the, the bridge it's just two like really really fucking like unbelievable like sets of action like um like we said the tanks um the big heavy machine guns when they're shooting them down the molotov cocktails that they keep throwing on the tanks setting people on fire the when they're sticking the grenades to it to blow it up like the the action is just incredible. Um, it, it's interesting because, like I said, it's bookended by those two, and for the most part, in between, there's not too much. It's a lot of the group just like conversing and interacting on the journey. Um, but those two bits on the beginning and ending, it's some of the best action, especially in a war film we've ever seen. Whereas 1917 is much more grounded, and there's not too much like that. Like there's the there's the bunker that blows up with the rat, which is quite impressive. Um, there's the one-on-one fight with the sniper when he they're shooting at each other, and then he goes up and shoots him and gets knocked back. There's 
the hand to hand with the soldier, like in those ruins, and uh, when he falls into the water, like there's really not that much, but what they do have is really well done. But yeah, I it's it's impossible to look past Saving Private Ryan. I think what Saving Private Ryan does really really well is that it's a spectacle to watch the opening. It is this big spectacle, but it doesn't feel like a big spectacle. It doesn't feel like some big action piece that should be celebrated or some big, like I said, some big action piece where you feel like it's fist pumping. It's, it just feels shit. Like, you feel anxious, you feel claustrophobic, you feel like, fuck, what's going to happen constantly? Um, when you breathe at the end of it, when, it, when it's over and you breathe and you're like, fuck. Like, same way I, I feel about um, a, another Game of Thrones connection, but like the Battle of Bastards, when that happens, like that's not that's like that's a huge spectacle of an episode, but it's never treated that way. It's just treated like this fucking rough, claustrophobic fight, um, and I think it does it really, really well. Whereas 1917, when he's running, it doesn't have that. That felt like a spectacle. Like that felt like a look at this, look at what we've achieved, which is phenomenal how it's been achieved. But it does feel like a, it's celebrated that that scene is celebrated. Whereas I think. The Saving Private Ryan opening is celebrated for a very, very different reason. And it isn't because of the action, it's because of the consequences of the action. Yeah, I will say, like we touched on it several times, but the the way they filmed 1917 really adds to the action moments in that, like the long tracking shots and the way it's presented as if it's all one shot, but obviously it's just a lot loads of not loads, there's a few very long individual shots pieced together, but there's some of the stuff like even in the um, the fight scenes with the soldiers and stuff and that the, when he's being chased and it's all just falling like it's so well done and it really adds to it but it's up against a fucking behemoth with some of the shit that Saving Private Ryan pulls off. Um, so after action then because we both went 10-9 there we'll talk about the set pieces themselves and like because obviously both movies being period pieces set well, one of them's over 100 years ago now, and one of them's over 80, which is fucking absurd. Um, the fact they're both set so long ago, there's obviously a lot of work that needed to be done building the sets for them with, like, in Saving Private Ryan. You've got, like, Omaha Beach. You've got, like, the little towns that they go to. You've got the bridge and the big showdowns. They're all the ruins um, and the bunkers and stuff. And similar to 1917, you've got the trenches, and how long they stem is just so impressive. You've got the bunkers, you've got uh, the no man's land bit, the farmhouse, um, the ruins of the village, which I actually made a note on earlier, the name of it. Let me find it again. The village was called Acoust St. Mine. Um, and like the ruins there and um, just all of it, like is so well put together. And... I actually went 10-9 in favour of 1917 here because I think the fact that it's the long tracking, tracking shots, you can't get away with, like, shortcutting it. You had to put they had to put the effort in, and we see it when the camera's following them in that one long shot, just how long the trenches are and stuff. And knowing that those were specifically built for the movie, like, it's unbelievable the amount of effort they put in. Um, the barracks were the rat. Um, runs down which is an incredible scene because you can see it coming as it lands and they're like oh shit and it runs towards the tripwire like all that stuff is incredible the ruins of the town is insane I think just 
all the effort they put in, which can't be hidden because of the long track. It feels like that was almost a part of like the marketing. Like you can't, you can't take a shot and make it look better than it is because we have to capture the full thing. So you get the real idea of just how long it is. Like when they're first walking towards the mission and they're just walking for like, what seems like 10 minutes, it's like, well, when he's racing to find, um, Benedict Cumberbatch's character and he's just running down that thing for so long and then he has to get up and run along the top because it's that long and there's people in the way like it just shows like the the sheer volume of what work they put into the sets there and while the Saving Private Ryan sets are obviously incredible like the beach itself was just unreal um, the town which I think Oh, no, that's a different thing I'm thinking of. But the town um, with the ruins and stuff, I think, and the yeah. bridge, I think it's really well done. But I just think the 1917 one, because of the the way it's filmed, it just looks more impressive to me, like the work that they put in. And it's not even like the destruction that, like the scene, the, the acoustic scene with the town in ruins is obviously really well done, but it's it's the trenches and shit for me that I think are just so impressive. Um, and that was what swung it over for me. Uh, yeah, 10 now to 1917 for me and for the exact same reason, it was the trenches and it's something that I touched on earlier in that as they're going through the trenches, it's not just a trench set, it's <clears throat> stages of the trench and they get more and more degraded, they get more and more beat up, they get more and more fucking depressed. So when you finally get to Andrew Scott's character, it is just like battered and fucking, you could tell that's where the majority of the fighting's been and not only the the sets, and I know we're talking about sets, but because they're, they're literally extras, I'm going to count them as the set, you get your soldiers, they start clean and more hopeful, and then as you get along and along, they're more battered. The more, there's that one guy that's literally sleeping um, on the other guy's shoulder and because he's that fucking knackered. And it's it just adds to just how fucking horrific it gets further and further and how bad some people had it compared to the people in the in the back. Um, I mean, the fact that they originally thought, oh, we're going up to get food because there's no way they'd send us all the way up that fucking hellhole uh, tells, the visuals tell a massive part of that story and really, really help. One set that I really, really loved in 1917, that um, Wonder Woman didn't do just as didn't do it justice was the no man's land um <clears throat> so when they finally cross over and get through the barbed wire and they see like the fucking fully rotted corpse of a horse and bodies and the the mud and the the dirty water and the you know he slides down puts his hand in a fucking body um i was i was fucking adamant when i was watching that film that the second guy was going to die or that he was going to be like lose a hand or something because he'd cut his hand and then that hand went in a dead body i thought some kind of infection was going to get him but that dead body again massively realistic and i think every set that they go to doesn't feel like a set it feels like an actual place like i said earlier, the, the the trees they cut down with all the blossoms like really really beautiful a place a small bit of beauty in this fucking war-torn place um just all really really good um whereas I love Saving Private Ryan, and I think everything looks fine. It works. It does its justice. I think that final area where they hold their hold the ground against the tanks that does look like a set. <clears throat> like those rocks don't look fully like it. They look. It looks a lot. It looks placed. It doesn't look natural. Whereas everything in 1917 looks natural. So that's why I kind of went in favour of 1917 because again, like I said, with the characters we meet, um, the 
the sets like kind of really elevate the journey that the that, that Schofield's going on, I think. Yeah, it's a good point actually about the way it looks manufactured at the end of Saving Private And I think it does look too Hollywood and the sets look a little too well put together. Whereas the nineteen seventeen ones, it looks like they kind of just stumbled upon it. Um and it looks like it was just there. Look perfect. But I think everything outside of that look does can look a bit like yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Um so we've got two categories left then. We've got next the music in both movies. Um, obviously, there's no there's no fucking upbeat soundtracks in either of them. So how did you score this one? Because I, I don't know. This one was tough for me. I'll, I'll be honest. This one was tough. Um, well, I... 10-9. I went to 19-17. Uh, and I don't know who did the soundtrack for 1917. I know John Williams did Saving Private Ryan. And while you can't really go wrong with John Williams, it's a John Williams score. You can never go wrong. It's always, it's consistent. It always hits the right emotional beats. But I think the lack of music in 1917 um, was way more impactful. Like, so you only really, it felt like a, I've said it many times already, but it felt like a very quiet movie. And whenever we got music, it, felt needed it felt like either a release or like added to the situation it was used very sparingly and it was used to um again just using a phrase i've used many many times elevate what that character is going through it's never kind of it's not consistent throughout there's a lot of periods where it's silence there's a lot of periods where it's just two people talking or one person running even to no music so when like there's a bit where, I can't remember exactly when it fucking is, there's a bit where he's doing something and then piano starts playing and he's just like, fuck, shit, yeah, I've not heard music in a while and it's really, really impactful. Um, so yeah, I love John Williams. The, the main theme to Saving Private Ryan is so inspires that kind of like hope and pain, but it's John Williams. It's consistent for me to to me to be marking down as film because it's John Williams feels odd, um, but it's not because it's throughout the entire movie. It's it feels more normal and again Hollywood than impactful like nineteen seventeen does. Yeah, I've actually gone the exact same. I went ten nine in favor of nineteen seventeen. I just looked it up then. The, act, the man that did the music for 1917 is someone called Thomas Newman, who I don't actually think I'm that familiar with. So I'm just quickly going through it as right now on the films he's done. He's done like Green Mile, American Beauty. Apparently he did um, stuff like Elemental, Skyfall, uh, Spectra. So he's done, obviously, he's not an unknown by any stretch. Sense considering it's Sam Mendes. Yeah, he's done quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I think less is more in the... 1917 with the music and I love the little bits when it comes in it just exemplifies the scene because it it makes those scenes feel so much more dramatic with the music added like when they first get to the bunker and it's like the tension that's building as they're walking in and then it just cuts as they realize there's no one there and everyone's already gone it just adds to the tension and um like you said John Williams you could he's, he's incredible he's obviously like the greatest ever he did the fucking Superman score for Christ's sake that's my great that's the greatest movie score ever is probably top 10 at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, John Williams is always great. And I do like the music in Saving Private Ryan, but it does, 
for what the movie's trying to get across, like the horrors of war, it does feel a little bit too manufactured, like with the music. It, it doesn't feel as great as it needs to be. Whereas, like we said, the, the lack of music sometimes in 1917 is better than having music. And it, and it really builds on that isolation and the silence. Uh, it's like stresses it to the viewers, like how alone these guys are and the mission ahead. And I just think if you add music to some of those scenes, it kind of takes that away. So it's weird scoring a film higher on music for having less, but like I said, less is more. So I went 10 down in favour of 1917 as well. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan's got a lot of trumpets and that just feels like a cliche war kind of thing to do. Yeah. But John Williams is great. Let's not stress, let's not get that misconstrued. Like I said, Superman theme, greatest ever. John, if you're watching, I apologise. I didn't mean to upset you or anything, but... All I'm saying is he came up with a Superman score, so... And Darth Aerial March, which I would argue better, but whatever. I mean, you'd be wrong, but that's fair enough. Um, Last category, then. We have got the legacy. I think we both know where this is going. We've got the legacy of the movies. Um... I mean, they're not beating around the bush. Saving Private Ryan to this day is considered one of the greatest like war movies of all time. It's considered one of Steven Spielberg's greatest movies. Um, I think it's considered one of the biggest Oscar robberies of all time that it didn't win. I think Shakespeare and Love won instead, and people still talk about that as one of the biggest robberies in Oscar's history, which is just absurd. Um, it's just an all-time great movie, and I think 1917 is one that's already been kind of forgotten and I don't know if that's because of the lack of star power in the main cast. Obviously, you've got these cameos from some big names, but like George McKay and Dean Chapman aren't exactly household names. Um, and I don't know if that's a part of it. Or um, the fact that Steven Spielberg is obviously a legacy into himself and that helps Saving Private Ryan gain the, like, the remembering that people have for that. But yeah, it's like I say, it's one of the greatest war movies of all time, and people remember it as such. And no one seems like it's only been what four, just over four years since 1917 came out, and it's already one that not too many people are talking about. Yeah, I mean, I completely forgot about it, and what have you. I think when with uh, like Saving Private Ryan got Oscar snubbed, 1917 is seen like I didn't know this. Um, when I was looking up stuff about 1917, but a lot of people don't like it or have got this thing against it because it is the film that snubbed Parasite from winning. And obviously Parasite is a fantastic movie that absolutely everybody loves. Um, But 1917 won over that. And I think... What, in the Oscars it didn't? uh, Did it not? I thought it was the Oscars. No, Parasite won for Best Picture at the Oscars because it was like a big deal that a foreign film had won. What, what am I thinking of? I, it was one of the award things that he won for. I know it was. I think it had, the, it had by far the most nominations as well. I think. I remember because I, I remember reading that people were pissy about it. Uh, you want people that? No, I must have read it. People were pissed that 1917 won, lost to uh, lost to uh, Parasite. Yeah, I can imagine there's certain people that hate the fact that um, a foreign film won as well. That does, that's not happened too often, I don't think. Like a non-English film winning Best Picture. All right, well, my bad then. I'm not sure I know. <laughs> At least I corrected you. We didn't just go through it like that was a yeah, thing. Yeah, like, like uh, usually happens, yeah. 
But even, I mean, even it not winning makes, I think Parasite is the better movie, to be honest. But I just, it's not as impactful as, as um, Saving Private Ryan. I don't think it has that uh, that staying power as Saving Private Ryan. I think it, it's a much smaller, more emotional movie. Um, but Saving Private Ryan has literally everything. It has those quiet moments. It has those really emotional gut punches. It has that big, strong action, but it's not action, like I said, it's not action that you're, you're rooting for. It's action that you kind of don't want to happen. Um, you've got fantastic performances throughout. It's Steven Spielberg, so you know it's going to have staying power. Uh, so that's obviously going to uh, a massive deal. It's got a massive legacy with that. Tom Hanks, unless it's revealed he's, he was on Epstein's Island, then I'm pretty sure that's going to have um, lasting power forever. Like, like I said, every single member of that cast is standout. And while I obviously scored 1917 for supporting cast, it's not got those two front runners that can carry a film like that will entice people to come and watch it not like a Tom Hanks movie can um, and I think Saving Private Ryan I think there's a reason why I'm like I, I was so kind of scared to watch it I've talked to you before about scared to watch certain films because of how hyped up they are and how well talked about they are and how well loved they are and if you haven't watched them and you finally get around to watching them you don't love them you almost feel like Ah, shit. There's like a pressure to be like, this is a good movie. And this one actually blew me. This one was actually better than I thought it was going to be, even knowing how much people loved it. It really, really blew me away. Whereas 1917 is one that I've always heard is, oh, yeah, it's good. You should watch it rather than, oh, yeah, it's fucking the stamp, the gold standard for war movies. So, yeah, I went 10 for Saving Private Ryan. Um, because, I mean, none of them are Oscar winners, apparently. So that's the better non Oscar winner. I know, that's shocking. At least uh, 1917 lost to Parasite. And I was just looking then, um, when I looked it up to double check, I went trying to shit. But do you want to hear the, the, the nominee for Best Picture in the 29, for the 2020 Oscars? This is probably the most stacked thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You've got Parasite, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Marriage Story. What the fuck? What a year that was. Yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, so it's not really that bad that it didn't win. Whereas Saving Private Ryan losing to Shakespeare in Love is absolutely fucking outrageous. Um, and I also think, like I said earlier... He didn't win the best picture at BAFTA. I knew I'd read something, but it was it dominated with winning most awards when a lot of people thought that Parasite should have won some of the awards in 1917. I knew, I knew I'd read something, but it wasn't Oscars, so I'm still fucked up. Yeah, yeah, you're still wrong. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, like I said earlier, that opening is like regarded as one of the best ever as well. So that obviously adds to the legacy and I just remembered everyone, you talk to anyone about Saving Private Ryan and one of the first things you'll talk about is the Omaha Beach scene. Like it's almost impossible for that not to come up. So that helps the legacy. But yeah, I went 10-9 in favour of it as well. It was one of the easiest decisions out of them all, I think. Not for any fault of 1917, it's just not been remembered anywhere near as fondly. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's like a World War One thing because World War One doesn't get quite as much like coverage in modern day like no one talks about that one or there's nowhere near enough like content focusing on that as there is world war Two. and i don't yeah. know if that's because it was the more modern one but there's just not enough not not as much should i say like movies or tv shows covering 
the First World War for some reason. World War Two seems to be one that everyone focuses on. Maybe it's because it's Hitler and everyone knows him. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't but know. there we go. We've got a score. Much closer than I anticipated, actually, I think. But with winning with 193 to 187 is saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So it's only winning by six, which is actually surprising. I thought yeah. it would win by more than that. For us, that's quite a big gap. Usually it's like one yeah. or two. Yeah, but when you think about how how loved Saving Private Ryan is, I thought I thought this would be a bigger gap, but six I mean I, I, I've got a rule on my letterbox that I don't rate things five unless I've seen them at least twice. And I watched Saving Private Ryan once. I was like, I'm breaking this fucking rule. That's a fucking five star movie. It, it's incredible. I mean, I think they both are, which is why it was good to do these against each other. Um I mean, next week we've got a very, very, very different episode. <laughs> One that I'm looking forward to for you to experience. Yeah, yeah, because I'd seen both of these movies in the past, whereas you only watched them both for the first time in the last couple of months. So, oh yeah, it's a bit of a flip, isn't it? That yeah. and this, the, what what we're doing next week isn't really your area of expertise, yeah. or not even an area that you've you've, you've looked in. I was going to not read. very often, not very I'm often. Gonna read. <laughs> the, the, the equivalent to next week will be like me putting two fucking musicals on for us to do um, yeah to be fair yeah but not South Park the, the musical no no I mean I love 1917 like watching it I'd text you saying like I said I'd text you saying this might be harder than I, than I originally thought like Saving Private Ryan's got a good contender it's a very different movie the fact that Saving Private Ryan's so big and has everything whereas 1917 is such a like repeated a quieter more emotional journey it's almost unfair but because of how similar the plots is it made sense to do it this way um but i think yeah you can't you can't deny saving private ryan's absolute behemoth of a movie no it's a it's a deserving winner also we talk about it in legacy but 1917 doesn't have a porn parody saving ryan's privates does (laughs) I mean, yeah. Saving Private Ryan has Saving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. That's true. Not that I've uh, seen it. I imagine you've got it on DVD somewhere. It'll be on that shelf behind you, probably. V- VHS. <laughs> now you're showing your age. Um, but yeah, that brings another episode to an end then. Uh, like I said, we've already got next week planned. We're ahead of, we're ahead of the curve this time. We yeah, know what we're doing. Curve. We're still filming this one day before, so we need to get even more ahead of the curve because yeah. we panic every week at the moment. Yeah, but this week we've got excuses because it was my birthday. Um, yeah. But yeah, we know what we're doing next week. We've we're got here. that lined up. It'll be a good one, I hope. I haven't seen either film yet, so fingers crossed. They are loved by most people in fact yeah. um one of them if it helps you one of them is it was on twitter the other day um leonardo DiCaprio, dicaprio shown it to oh so i watched the video on YouTube. to to convince him to watch those the movies from that studio so if that doesn't make you want to watch him 
Yeah, I, I watched that uh, YouTube video. Um, so I, that definitely piqued me interest. So, yeah, so we've got that ready for next week. Very, very different to the movies we've done now. But uh, if you guys liked what you listened slash watched, then please feel free to subscribe to the channel and like the video if you're watching on YouTube or similarly on any of the podcast services. Subscribe to the feed and leave us a nice little rating. Um, if you want to find us anywhere, our details are underneath. Uh, on X and Letterbox, you're actually smashing the fucking life at me on Letterbox this year, aren't you? Yeah, I'm I, well behind. Yeah, I think 17 as of recording this. That's uh, like one a day. That's fucking sick for you. Yeah, it is. I think I'm on eight. Yeah, yeah, 17. Which last January as a whole, I did. I watched 14. Uh, so this, bits. I've got a week off coming up in after tomorrow so i'm gonna fucking smash some more yeah yeah i don't blame me i had i just had four days off because it's for my birthday and a couple of like one of them i spent extremely hungover i haven't watched shit i mean i watched these but like i've not watched i think the last thing i watched before this was um i watched the fair women's like mid last week like i usually i've watched quite a lot by now but i'm really behind this year already so I that's really, fun really re-watched two eight two films out of the 17 everything else has been a a new, new. Thing for me to watch as well so it's been good happy days happy days you're you're on a you're on a hot streak for movies there not gonna beat dan but whatever no fuck no that guy watches every i'm sure he watches stuff in his sleep somehow <laughs> um but yeah, well, that brings this episode to an end, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. And like I say, we've got a good one next week. So keep your eyes peeled for when Nathan reveals those. Although it's kind of, it's kind of give a bit of a clue anyway. And if you've seen the Martin Scorsese Leo thing, then you might already know. Not that I imagine many people follow Letterboxd on YouTube. So yeah, very true. Very true. But yeah, so we'll be back next week and uh, we hope to see you there. Peace out.